This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with wildlife and wilderness advocates relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wildlands of the West and all across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. Our guest today is Matt Anderson, the wildlife biologist for the Ozark St. Francis National Forest in Arkansas. Matt grew up in a rural area of the Boston Mountains in northwest Arkansas. He graduated from the University of Arkansas with a degree in anthropology, then worked for about seven years on the coast of Oregon on salmon and steelhead recovery efforts, most of the time with a small nonprofit watershed association. He received a master's degree in fishery science at Oregon State University, studying desert trout migrations and the impacts of fish pa passage barriers. After grad school, he started with the U.S. Forest Service as a fisheries biologist, first on Mount Hood National Forest in Oregon, and then on the Bridger Teton National Forest in Wyoming. Matt came to his current position on the Ozark St. Francis National Forest in 2016. Here he served as the forest fish and wildlife biologist and program manager for the fisheries and wildlife program. Having returned to Arkansas, uh, Matt has, with the Forest Service, uh, uh, he's now with the Ozark St. Francis National Forest. So, Matt, uh, why don't you just tell us, uh, with the Forest Service, what have you been, what have you been focusing on uh, in the area where you're working? Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a broad and diverse job. Uh, at, you know, with a title like fish and wildlife biologist, there's a, there's a lot of things to cover, uh, uh -huh. both ecosystem conditions. Uh, we focus a lot on threatened, endangered, and other at-risk species management, and, and just trying to integrate all of the programs that the Forest Service implements in their mission and uh, trying to make sure that we're being good stewards of our fish and wildlife communities and their habitats. So uh, tell me, uh, I think I've picked up the name Washita uh, also connected with your job and uh, then Ozark St. Francis. So tell me about those respective uh, districts where you're working. Okay, well, first I think, uh, so it's the Washita uh, named after the Washita Mountains is a national forest just to the south of us, also in Arkansas and some in Oklahoma. And the the range of my job is just the Ozark and St. Francis National Forests uh, in Arkansas. And so the Ozarks to the north uh, are located on the in northern Arkansas on the Ozark Plateau. And the St. Francis is a small national forest unit that's located close to Mississippi. So, so my job covers the, the Ozark and St. Francis uh, national forests within Arkansas. So you have a, uh, a, a superintendent or a, a forest service uh, official who's responsible for the Ozark St. Francis. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, Lori Wood is our forest supervisor uh, and and covers uh, the area that the same area that I cover oh. uh, fish and wildlife for and and my job a big part of my job is to 
uh, advise her on topics and matters related to fish and wildlife. Uh-huh. So tell me about the terrain, uh, the rivers and streams and mountains and so on. Yeah. 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 So um, the Ozark National Forest is uh, on the Ozark Plateau, uh, which is one of the oldest landforms in, in the continental United States. Uh, because it's a plateau, and so it is relatively flat on top, but it's very, it's, because it's so old, it's weathered for uh, millennia, for uh, 300 million years or so. And so it doesn't feel like a classic plateau. Uh, it almost feels like rolling hills on top. But when you walk off uh, into, the, into the valleys, uh, you'll find really steep hillsides, uh, lots of bluffs, uh, steep headwater streams, that often are, are flowing over uh, waterfalls. Mm -hmm. And um, you, as you get down into uh, often some pretty remote hollows and, and valleys, uh, you're, you're often in uh, narrow forested valleys, some really remote feeling locations. Uh, that gradually opens up into some broader valleys that are uh, a little, you know, a mix of agriculture and forestry uh, and some beautiful rivers that are uh, lower gradient and great places for canoeing and kayaking and, and that kind of activity. Is the underlying... Um, it's a beautiful land... It's a really beautiful forested landscape. Is the underlying rock all sedimentary or are there some igneous intrusions? Um, not much igneous here. Uh, sandstone dominates the landscape, mm -hmm. um, and it's a hard sandstone, and, and so, it, like I said, in many cases, you, you'll find bedrock and bluffs, uh, boulder fields. Uh, we do have uh, some pretty large areas that, are, that have limestone, and that, that lime, it's an old and exposed layer of limestone that has become a pretty complex karst landscape with sinkholes, lots of caves, streams flowing underground, and, and, and that kind of thing. So uh, that, the, that old uh, weathered geology makes for some really complex and unique habitats and as well as beautiful places to, to visit and, and explore. The, the Ozarks are, I think of them kind of a, a land of hidden gems. You know, when you're on top of the plateau, uh, there's, there's a little more development in agriculture. There's roads, but oftentimes you can, you can go off into the valleys and find a wilderness with uh, lots of unique features and uh, cool places to explore. Uh, what's the type of forestation? So... We've got uh, we've got kind of a gradient of pine and hardwood forests. So the southern part of the Ozarks is uh, predominantly pine. There's pine covers about 30% of the national forest. Uh, mostly mostly shortleaf pine is our native pine, and uh, and one that uh, has uh, is a really unique ecosystem. And then hardwood stands that consist mostly of red, red and white oak, uh, hickory, uh, that covers about 65% of our land base. 
some type of mixed hardwood. Uh, within those broad categories, uh, there there are a lot of other diverse communities uh, that are within our forested types. You'll find everything from kind of dry, rocky ridges with short oak trees uh, to more moist forests on on north slopes with uh, deeper soil deposits, and you'll find species like beech and maple, maybe umbrella magnolia. Uh, we've got some areas within the forest that are, uh, we call them glade complexes, glades that are uh, thin soils on on rocky areas, and they often act more like grasslands or savannas, uh, kind of a unique prairie-like habitat in an, in what is otherwise uh, a, a forested, a highly forested landscape. Uh, I mean, so that creates some really unique uh, habitats. Your biography said you're involved in restoration of some of those ecosystems. Yes, um, I, you know, and and I'll, I, I work primarily as a pro program manager. Uh, we've got biologists on each of the districts, oh. and they they each have projects that are related to ecosystem restoration. So, uh, in many cases, we've got uh, we've had uh, long periods of fire suppression. So. If you take, for example, the glades that I just mentioned, uh, in those areas, those were areas that were maintained by periodic fires. And so following fire suppression, uh, eastern red cedar predominantly, but also other trees encroached in those glades and converted them in some cases to uh, a different habitat type. And so these kind of pr uh, prairie islands in the forest in many cases were diminished or, or lost entirely. And so by going back in and removing some of the cedar, uh, reintroducing fire, we really see uh, a pretty uh, inspiring recovery of a lot of the botanical species, rare botanical species, and a lot of the wildlife that uh, require that kind of open habitat, uh, quail, sparrows, uh, species like this, uh -huh. eastern collared lizard, uh, which is a common species in, in the desert southwest, but it uh, also finds home in some of these uh, smaller glade complexes that are almost little deserts in uh, within the forest. Is there any commercial timber harvesting that goes on in the forest? Yes, there is. We've got um, we've got a, an active commercial timber program on the forest. Uh, typically on the Ozark San France, we treat between a half and 1% of the forest acres per year with some combination of, uh, of timber treatment that could include uh, in a, an intermediate thinning. Uh, and the intention there is to open up stands increase the health and growth of the remaining trees. Um, we, on a smaller proportion of the lands, we'll do regeneration harvest. Um, we've got our forest plan sets goals to have uh, a matrix of stand age diversity across our landscape. Uh, 
the, you know, the timber program here really works very closely with the wildlife program, and it's really important uh, in helping provide disturbances that create forest structural diversity for our wildlife habitats. Um, the, uh, the forest needs an adequate level of early successional habitats kind of distributed across the forest. Um, you know, we're, we, we have a, a landscape that had a lot of disturbance uh, about 120 years ago, and then, um, you know, following that, and, and uh, European, Europeans, as European settlement expanded here, uh, fire suppression became uh, a very common here. And so we've had a lot of changes to our ecosystem over the last hundred years. And so we're trying to find ways to, you know, managing within areas that we can do uh, burn blocks and vegetation treatments to make sure that we're representing all the, the habitats that were once common when, when disturbance could happen at a different, uh, different scale across our landscape. Well, we're getting hotter summers. Have you had any recent full wildfires? Yeah, we, we have had wildfires, um, may, not, nothing on the scale that you're probably used to in Montana. <laughs> um, we, we, we were fairly, fairly lucky this summer. We, we did have a, a hot, very dry period of this summer. We, we did get some starts. Um, but fortunately, uh, here we've been able to establish, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, using fire for habitat management. We also uh, maintain a, a pretty robust prescribed fire program right now that helps us with our fuels management. And so we've got a pretty good matrix of uh, prescribed burning blocks that, so that when we do get wildfires, uh, the, the landscape is, is set up to that to where we can, we can uh, contain them and, uh, and the, the landscape doesn't have an abundance of uh, fuels that, that is ready to uh, lead to crowning and, and large-scale wildfires that are, that are more damaging to the ecosystem. So talk about the mammals uh, or the wildlife that uh, is found in the forest. You work on bats, I okay. think, bat project, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, more broadly, you know, the the thing that really sticks out about wildlife in the Ozarks is is our real our diversity. Um, for for mammals, we've got um, you know squirrels, flying squirrels, chipmunks, um, skunks. Including uh, the the lesser common uh, spotted skunk, uh, black bear are becoming common. But um, you know, back in the 1970s, black bear were almost gone from the landscape in Arkansas, and and the state wildlife uh, commission worked to restore black bear with a number of uh, of other. Uh, Federal and, and private partners. Have they been hunted? Uh, out? They they now we've got a population that we really need to hunt them to keep them uh, at a at a sustainable level, uh, given all of our other human developments. Uh -huh. So yes, hunting is part of the part of the management for black bear for sure. Um, coyote, elk, deer, river otter, beaver, 
we it's it's really uh really is a, a wildlife rich community occasional mountain lion although uh we don't have an established population here we we often get strays from elsewhere uh you mentioned bats and we have we have 14 species of bats on the forest and uh the the ozark is very important uh both uh, for the summer habitat there's a number of forest dwelling bat species that utilize the ozark uh as well as i i mentioned the caves and karst so we've got a lot of winter hibernacula for uh bat species um are there some endangered species uh that you're nurturing yes um and yeah, and specifically, you mentioned bats uh, being so important here. Um, th there are a number of there are a number of species that have been hit pretty hard over the last decade by white nose syndrome, mm. uh, and and some of those species we have on this forest, and we've seen some pretty dramatic declines because of that disease. Uh, Northern long-eared bat, uh, tricolored bat, and Indiana bat are all found on the forest and, and have suffered uh, some levels of decline from white-nose syndrome. Uh, we've got gray bats, uh, which have a couple of very significant hibernac hibernation caves on the forest, and that's a species that has been making a fairly remarkable recovery. Uh, they, they were listed in the 70s, and in, in the uh, interceding years, uh, there's been a lot of work to protect their caves. They, they, they're they in caves both in the winter, their hibernacula, and also in the summer. And so there's been a lot of work to figure out what caves they use and figure out how to protect those from disturbance. And that's a species that uh, I think is in the process of making a pretty remarkable recovery. So um, it's the uh, there's a positive story in there as well. Um, and... Yeah, but uh, white-nose syndrome has really hit our bat populations hard, and, and we're facing, uh, we've got endangered listed species, and we're facing uh, more listings in, in the next uh, year or two. What kind of birds do you have? Um, we have, <clears throat> we have uh, different migratory species through the year, um, so... Uh, we have a, a lot of neotropical migrants that breed here in the summertime, uh, diverse assemblages, including warblers, vireos, and others, uh, uh, chats, yellow-billed cuckoo, wood thrush. Um, you know, a, a summer morning in the Ozark has a pretty impressive dawn chorus, and uh, we, we do uh, quite a bit of monitoring for our birds uh they they're they're a good indicator for uh ecosystem management because they're very responsive to habitat changes so so where we have uh where we do management ac actions that create maybe more open sand conditions often we'll see a little bit of a change in our bird species assemblage so it's a good indicator of of how our habitat management is affecting their populations uh -huh. um in the winter, we have a totally different group uh, in, in many cases, uh, some residents, but, uh, but many shift. Uh, we have lots of sparrows, juncos, 
uh, goldfinches. Uh, we also we also have uh, a lot of overwintering bald eagles and golden eagles as well uh, that overwinter in in the area. So, how about woodpeckers? Yes, we've got we've got abundant uh, woodpeckers, uh, pileated woodpeckers, red-headed woodpeckers, uh, downy and, and uh, hairy woodpeckers. Um, yellow-breasted sapsucker. So, yeah, and, and a lot of our woodpeckers are are resident, uh, are here year-round. Um, and so our, our forest has an uh, abundant supply of hardwood snags and, and pine snags that, that really support uh, woodpeckers very well. Do you work with any tribal groups, uh, any indigenous people? Uh, we do. Um, the the forest um, the forest consults with all the tribes that have a history and interest in the lands that we manage here. Uh, we're stewards of their ancestral lands. Um, so, uh, and several Native American tribes have an extensive history uh, and strong ties to the Ozarks, the Osage, Cherokee, Caddo, and Quapaw, and uh, you know, much of much of what is the land that is now uh, the Ozark National Forest was seasonal hunting and gathering lands for those tribes. Um, they they used fire to keep uh, areas of open forest and maintain beneficial plant and and tree communities for for wildlife. Um, and so that yeah, long histories uh, as well as you know several of these tribes. Um, their forced removal routes were through the Ozarks, and so that creates some some more recent uh, historical tribe uh, tribal ties. Is any part of the forest designated as wilderness? We so yes, we've got uh, we've got five designated wilderness areas, um, and so the. Uh, the Upper Buffalo, Hurricane Creek, Richland Creek, East Fork, and the, the Leatherwood Wilderness. These are these are blocks of about ten to thousand, uh, ten to fifteen thousand acres or so in size. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, particularly uh, as as you probably often cover areas out west, our our eastern wilderness areas, I would say, are a little bit different in nature than. Than what you're maybe you're used to in the West, where you know vast areas uh, maybe dominated by mountain peaks with little trace of human settlement and development. Uh, our will, our visit, you know, when you visit our wilderness areas, uh, you may be more likely to be reminded of the history of the land with evidence of uh, settlers' cabins, old roads. Uh, rock walls that were that were used uh, for small uh, agricultural developments, mm-hmm. which are now uh, reclaimed by uh, by the forests. And so, uh, you know, within the eastern U.S., these are uniquely remote areas and and a place to really enjoy the solitude of nature. Uh, but it is a different scale than out west. Uh, you know, that said, a lot of our wildernesses are connected to a large stream or river. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they typically encompass uh, a portion of a watershed and kind of stretch from ridge top to ridge top and 
and have some some really beautiful streams and waterways uh, in 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 the in the area. So you're working on a number of projects, I gather. Uh, uh, one is Blanchard Springs Caverns. Uh, tell about that. Yeah, so Blanchard is a is a really interesting uh, site. It's the only um, it's the only show cave in the national forest system, uh, and so this is an area. This is a cave that has just really incredible formations that have formed over time. A lot of history in that cave. The current project, the, the cave was developed in the in the 70s, 60s and 70s, and so a lot of the infrastructure is aged, and so uh, there are there's a need to uh, redo that to protect the resources of the cave, improve the lighting system uh, so there's less growth of algae, uh, that kind of thing, improve the visitor center. So it's really a unique site and a great opportunity for people to get underground and un and see the beauty of our karst ecosystems. Unfortunately, our other caves on the forest are currently closed. I mentioned white-nose syndrome and the issues we've been having with bats. Right. And so in order to stop the spread of white-nose syndrome, the other caves are closed. So this is an opportunity for people to understand the value and co of conserving uh, these karst ecosystems. And what is the Ford project? Ford project is a multi is a watershed based project that includes a lot of different elements road and transportation management vegetation management is one of the key things and i've mentioned some of the purposes that we do the forestry and other vegetation management projects and ford uh, deals with a lot of those issues uh, potentially it, it has some road closures uh, road maintenance uh, and other activities that the forest needs to cover uh, environmental assessment on before we before we implement those management activities. And you have a project called Sunset Savage, uh, which apparently is uh, fueled by the uh, tornado uh, kill of trees. Yeah, we we get we get tornadoes here. Uh, which they're scary, but they're an important uh, ecosystem disturbance within the forest to create some of that early successional habitat. But when it when it hits an area and creates so much dead and down, oftentimes those areas will grow over and be largely impenetrable. And so it's an opportunity for us to get wood products and to uh, reset that area of the forest, uh, and so that that's one where we do a, a small scale salvage of those trees. What what kind of trees were killed in that in that tornado area? I I'm not familiar with that particular uh, salvage operation. You have to remember we've got uh, 1.2 million acres of the forest, and so. For a 22-acre salvage, uh, at the scale that I'm working, yeah. I'm not familiar with that piece of ground. Uh, 
yeah. I'm sure that if you went to the to the district and talked to the the uh, timber management uh, folks and the wildlife folks, they would know. Uh, but I can't tell you specifically what trees are involved there. Well, Matt, uh, we are almost out of time, but uh, this has been uh, very informative, and I appreciate it. So thank you very much for uh, talking with us today. Our guest today has been Matt Anderson, wildlife biologist for the Ozarks St. Francis National Forest uh, down in Arkansas. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, go online to js-wilderness.com and see additional features of our website. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.